I swear to I'm going to buy a tent and we're just going to have the scoreport inside of you, the tent. You and think you he's joking, but we are planning I am that. not even joking. We should start thinking about somebody that can act as a like security outside the tent. Hi, this is Nate Sexton, and you're listening to Unstable Discourse. All right, guys, welcome in to episode one of Unstable Discourse. I'm Alex Seminary of Disc Golf Chicago. I'm here with Sean Callahan of Delwood Disc Golf. Sean. What up, y'all? And Ryan Fancher of Unstable Disc Golf Gear. Ryan. Present. Thank you for that. that. Is that going to be a running? uh, We're going to do that every episode now. Every episode. Beautiful. So the first episode, this is the first official episode, and we're going to get into something we like to call the tourney journey, which basically means we're going to go through a checklist of everything you would need to know if you were going to put on a tournament. From concept to execution, there is probably a lot more involved in that process than a lot of people realize. Uh, So we're going to walk you guys through that. And uh, we have come up with the name Tourney Journey. I'm I'm not quite sure. You guys have both said you're like into the name, but I can't Wait, tell. Well, because it sounds to me like turkey jerky, and although turkey jerky is probably on the lower end of the jerky scale, still a fan. Love the name completely. I love love Tourney Journey. Yeah, cool. it's great. It's well, we're sticking. It's happening. It's it's Done. we're already, we're in it. Done. Okay, so before we get into the heart of that subject, we're going to get into the very first segment, which we're calling Fired Up. And that's what we're going to talk about, what we are most excited about right now in the disc golf world. Sean, what are you most fired up about? For four hours today, I got to watch coverage from three different production companies down at Las Vegas Challenge. It was amazing. Uh, GK Pro, we've got Gatekeeper and Central Coast all putting out content. Not exactly next day, but a ton of content two rounds per production company. So I am super excited to finally be watching tournament coverage in 2020. Yeah, I accidentally kind of came up knowing that there were tournaments, but forgetting that I could go to YouTube and watch that. And then it popped up and there was an existential moment for me. Like, whoa. Like, <laughs> it's here. Happening. It's here. Yeah. It's back. Yeah, it was great. So. Ryan, what are you fired up about? Um, just the weather. Actually, today we happened across man, 55 and sunny, you know, marginal wind. Me and the boys got to play disc golf this morning, which is yes, we a did. rarity at best lately. You know, I broke out the phone and turned on MLB and watched some Cactus League Mariners play. And like those three things combined with the weather and playing disc golf and baseball just makes me feel like it's here. It's happening. It's coming. And I'm over the moon right now about that. So, yeah, you kind of stole mine. I was going to say the weather and the general like vibe of, of this season, but, uh, and I know it's not going to last because yeah, three days from now we're going to get four inches of snow and it's going to go back to, you know, the most ridiculous Chicago third winter. Then we'll get some more nice weather. Then it'll be Chicago fourth winter. Exactly. And then it'll get warm. And then the weekend of our club challenge, it will, you know, just rain down. Oh, you jinxed that I was going to say it's going to be perfect. But hopefully, because I said that, it will not. But uh, that's usually what happens. But yeah, for this moment right now, it couldn't be better. Playing with the juju, man. Right. You're messing up the juju, dog. Me and Ja. He he owes us. (laughs) Ja will provide. He he will provide, and he better provide because... uh, Uh, Well, I'm taking the cheap answer of I'm fired up about this podcast. It's not Um, cheap. 
I know it's cheating, but I don't care. Uh, there's there's a lot of stuff to be excited about right now, but literally nothing is more exciting to me than this right now. Uh, something I think we've all talked about for a while. And uh, oh, Sean and I have talked about doing this for years. Yep. Like I, I for remember- you, it's a no brainer. You're you're the audio engineer. I sure. mean, it's yeah. You, I'm so surprised you haven't started this sooner. I know it's crazy. I've yeah, I'm breaking out uh, equipment, microphones, you know, audio interfaces, uh, you know, preamps from. Ah, 12, 15 years ago that I haven't touched and it's super exciting for me to do, but, um, you know, just bring the content to the people and like just doing it and finally realizing that this is going to happen is awesome. Part two of my fired up is that Alex got Ryan to get off of his rear and do this. Yeah. Cause I've been trying to get him to do it for five years. Dude, if you need me, if you need somebody to get excited about something or to like do something, that's where I thrive. Yeah. I I cannot get into an idea. I totally sure. want to do a lot of things. I just... I, you got a I full the, plate. I, I need mean, the hype man. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I can do that. So, yeah. Uh, okay, so we're going to do a quick calendar rundown of events that are coming up that you guys should probably know about. Uh, we're going to look at the next three months, anything that's worth paying attention to, things you guys can look into. Uh, Sean, can you give us a look at what's coming up? Yes, sir. So, starting off in March, Saturday the 14th, we've got the Old Oak Spring Warm-Up. Uh, that is an unsanctioned event. Put on by myself, Thor Bachelor, Leo Borowski, and Ryan Fancher. It is at Old Oak Ball Golf Course in Homer Glen. It is going to be a ton of fun. It's sold out pretty quick. I think we've got 200 people signed up in 10 divisions or so. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's crazy. Yeah, the concept for this tournament came out, I mean, it was thought up a year ago. Uh, we'll probably get into that a little bit later, but um, it's not just a pop-up tournament just for something to do. Like, they're, you know... Yeah. There's a lot of background behind this, and it's going to be a ton of fun, and it's going to move a lot of things forward that is going to help the whole area. Yeah, so. Thor had been working with getting something over there for a while, and then long time finally got a meeting, and that's when I came in. This is going back a few months and landed on a date and sold out. Going to be a blast. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, f- two weekends after that, on the 28th, Saturday, we've got Fraction Run Cup 2 here at Delwood Park. We are in the second year of the Greater Joliet Tour Series, so... We decided to make the the events standalone events and name them, so Fraction Run Cup. For those of you that are unfamiliar, Fraction Run is the name of the creek in Delwood. So when hmm. you lose your 2015 Sexton Firebird in the creek, it is the Fraction Run that is taking it from you. A lot so, of people uh, still don't, even though they've played the events. Like you know, Yeah. It's a cool name, but why? Well, there you yeah. go. That's the reason. I per- Yeah, I wondered. I was, uh, I was like, I'm sure there's a good reason behind it, but yeah. uh, I had no idea. Saturday, April 18th, we've got Battle at Bush Park 2. That is also another really cool name. So before it was West Park, it was owned by an old farmer, uh, last name of Bush. It was Bush Park. It was also a zoo back in the day, West Park was. So uh, we are going to be switching that up a little bit and adding some alt pins and using some of the B pins on a couple of the holes, using some long tees. So it's going to toughen up West Park a little bit. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we think it needs a little toughening up for a tournament like this and yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, May 9th and 10th, something I'm really excited about, something that I put on personally, is King of the Canyons. We're in our third year. It is an unsanctioned event. Uh, it is an invite-only event. Uh, first year, we had 16 guys. We started off really small. It's a bracket style where only fifty per- the top 50% of the field move on. Uh, each round, Each round, the layout changes. Uh, last year we had 39 guys, and this year I'm kind of focusing more on local players. I've got 80, 
uh, it's getting close to like 90 people on the invite list. Um, and rather than doing uh, waves of invites, I'm doing kind of all at once 64 spots, come and grab them before they're gone type of a thing. Uh, so really excited about that. There's a lot of money on the line. Can't wait for King of the Canyons. It's yeah, a blast. That's great. Last blast. year we invited a ton of pros and you know, they're they're starting the tour season. It's tough for them to get out here. Yeah. Some were able to make it. Yeah. A lot weren't. And uh, shout I'll, out to Robert McCall. Yeah, he's he's the best. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's really tough for these guys to come out here. Um, even though it's the purse is actually a lot better than some of the tournaments they're traveling to. Which, I mean, it's a no brainer yeah. for us. Like, what did the purse look know? like last year? They split. Because they went into a three-way playoff and they decided to chop it. They each took home like twenty-two hundred bucks. Yeah, well, which yeah. is far and away like the biggest purse yeah. we've had. Like all of them area. said that was the most money they had ever made playing disc golf. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, all right, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's really <laughs> yeah. great. So, and we yeah. add we add three thousand to the purse. So it's it's a pretty big. I mean, that's more added cash than an A tier. So, an A tier requirement's only two thousand added cash. We add three. There's something else awesome about King of the Canyons. That uh, I was hoping you'd mention, which is the, there was coverage last year by was it last year or the year before the Jomez got involved, didn't they? Uh, no, it was Ryan Nick. Oh, Nick Ryan Productions. Nick. Yep. Okay, but yeah, the he, coverage that I saw was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, he's done the oh, final nine the last yeah, two years. Yeah, the caliber yeah. of video quality is right up yeah, there. Yeah, he kills so, it. Yeah. Which is why I thought yeah. it was Jomez. I was just like, I knew. Yeah, I just exactly. knew it was amazing. Ryan Nick is the best. I'm, I'm hoping he oh, will do in. that again. I already yeah. put it on. Well, he's in no matter what he says because I already put it on disc golf. <laughs> oh, <well. laughs> Thanks, Ryan, for that because uh, you're in. Uh, so moving on to Saturday, May 23rd, we've got Clay Track Classic 2. This is by far and away my favorite named event that oh, we do by far, in yeah. the Greater Joliet Tour Series. It's at Trinity. Uh, Trinity is uh, everybody's favorite. I think it's the homey course. It's where everybody hangs out. Uh, Clay track is in reference to before Trinity was a uh, disc golf course. It was a old biker club. And if you know this, you know, but to the left side of hole 10 is a tree line on the right side of that. It's all open. That's 10's fairway on the left side of that. That's where 12's tee box is at. There was an old clay track bike racing track there. And when they did that course back in, if I wish I had Thor here to ask, but I want to say it was like 97 or 98, something said, like that. Yeah, 96, 97. Uh, there was like all kinds of tires they had to pull from over in that area because that was, you know, the kind of the, bo- the boundaries of the track and some old bikes and cars and God knows who else back there, but or what else back there. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Clay Track is, is by far my favorite name as far as the Greater Juliet Tour Series events. For sure. Yeah, that's it's a fantastic name. I'm surprised they got grass to grow even after this long. Like thinking about what that you know what that right. was and like, and it wasn't actually that long ago that they tore it up. Like you know when you think of old clay track bike race, you're thinking like super old, like 50s, 60s, 70s. Like no, it was in like 96. That's yeah. weird, right? You know? And I don't right. know how long it had been <laughs> defunct, but it was still there. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's nuts to me. Yeah, in our lifetime, in our lifetime. So, and uh, wrapping up the very last weekend in May, the 30th and 31st, we've got our first B tier of the year. That is Clash at the Canyons 4. There Ew. is Never a heard of it. lot of people excited about this event. <laughs> Just kidding. We've got some, some cool things already in the making with that event. Um, it's never not great. So, yeah, it's, it's yeah. going to be a ton of fun. Uh, as things are ever evolving here at Delwood, the Clash XL layout is going to become the XXL layout. 
Yes. Uh, we're gonna do a, a lot of. I'm gonna I'm gonna make the MPO field cry a little bit. That's kind of the goal with please, that layout. Please do thirteen long to be. On uh, it won't be thirteen long to be. It will be thirteen white pad to be because that plays as the best par four I think, and I Still. think that whole field agrees. But yes, it'll yeah. be down to that B pin. I'll, I'll no cop to not being able to play as many tournaments as I wish I could. I mean, I, probably a lot of people feel that way. But Clash is one that I just will not miss. Yeah. Like if I had. You know, if I if my wife was pregnant and I had to you know be at the hospital, I'd be like, "Honey, I need you to understand, it's a clash." It's clash, honey. Yeah. Uh, clash last board. year, I set a alarm so that I made like I knew it was going to sell out immediately. Yeah. And I was in the middle of a round and like stepping up to a tee pad, and I was like, my alarm went off, and I was like, "Sorry, guys, uh, you're gonna have to play this hole without me." I sat down on a bench. I made sure I registered. I got in like within one minute of the thing opening, and I think there were like twenty people ahead of me already. So cool. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, that sold Super out like quick. immediately, right? Yeah, I mean, by the time our first event happens on the 14th, we will have four events that will be live on Disc Golf Scene that will probably be sold out. Yeah. By the yeah. time the first one happens, just Hell goes yeah. to show how much stuff we have going on in our local Yeah, area it's mind-boggling. Right yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay, so that, that wraps up uh, everything that we got coming up, up in the next, the next three months. Yeah, months through here. May. Yep, through May. Which seems like an eternity away, but... It's going to go fast. It's uh, coming up. It's going to go super quick. Yeah, it's coming. Uh, okay. The The next little thing we want to get into is a segment that we're calling Local Route, where we take a, we're just going to shine a little spotlight on uh, people, things, clubs, uh, something that's happening with the people in our scene or an organization in our scene locally that just deserves a shout out. So I'll I'll start, actually. I'm, I'm going to go with... Go. Uh, you know who deserves a shout out is Circle One, the club. Hundred um, percent agree. I was like blown away. They came out of nowhere. Uh, all of a sudden, I started seeing Circle One shirts like everywhere, and it was like, uh, "How long has this been around?" That like, I didn't print, and I'm not even. Who mad. are you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, right. The yeah. people in this club are like fiercely loyal, and yeah. yeah. Uh, then I come to find out that they're like doing all this great stuff at uh, the Oaks. They've They've done course improvements. They've made the course more challenging, more interesting. Yeah. Uh, that stuff doesn't happen. You know, it doesn't just happen. It's taking no, people no. like uh, it's a coordinated effort, and that doesn't happen unless everybody feels like they're a part of something. So yeah, there are a lot of clubs that just are a club for no other reason than to play disc golf and remain stagnant in any any other way. Yeah. And uh, that's a you know that's yeah. kind of a thing that drives us crazy. But Circle One is they're doing it right, and they're, they're repping hard. They were out at JPPL on Saturday. Everybody had their Circle One shirts, so big shout out to Scott Wrangle. Yeah, get an awesome group of dudes over there in Mokina. So keep it up. I've not met Scott, but I've heard nothing but good things, and I know that he's all right. <laughs> I know that El um, Chapo, they call him. Yeah, do they? Oh, That's yeah. awesome. People don't rally behind a leader unless they're a leader, unless they're like a good leader. You can uh, start a club and call yourself the leader of a club, but. Uh, good things don't really happen unless people see you as a leader they respect they want to do cool things for so whatever scott's doing uh shout out to scott it's, it's got to be good stuff yeah for sure they're running an event we'll have to look into that date maybe uh, as we're uh doing the show i'll look into the event of that date but there is a circle one event at mokina i know delwood will be involved in some facet i have talked cool. to him so yeah. i will look into that date we'll we'll shout that out at some point great uh lauren lakeberg is, has been Coming to events, I want to say back all the way to 2010. There's, I've like seen bef- photos from her before, from forever before yeah. my involvement, my my deep involvement of the local disc golf scene. So um, she has been around forever. 
my uh, one of my favorite things all season is the candid moments that she is able to capture. And mind you, this is all on a volunteer basis. Wow. You know, she's got... Uh, I know that she has worked with some larger events like Ledgestone, uh, but like locally, she just shows up and does her thing. And awesome. she's amazing. Uh, she also likes when things land on 11, and she's a numbers gal, and I'm a numbers guy, and she's awesome. So Lauren Lakeberg is definitely my local route shout out. Nerds. She go, is at the disc golf photographer, right? That's what she's uh, on the website? Yep. Correct, correct. Yes. Yeah, she's got gobs of photos from all events all over the place and uh every one of them is great um and it really going through the gallery of each event kind of takes you into the event like it's not just photos of what was going on but like you are in the face of you know the mpo player and you can almost feel what he's thinking before you know they Mm -hmm. make that putt and it feels like you know you're on the edge of your seat with with every photo i feel like you were if you weren't at the event, you feel a little bit more involved with what was going That's on just by looking at the it. photos. Yeah. It's immersive. Like, yeah. I didn't go to the first incarcerated, but I saw her pictures, mm-hmm. and I right. felt like I was there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. I've a, talked about it like I was there. There's taking pictures, and then there's being a photographer, and, mm-hmm. and she is definitely the latter. And it's it's amazing to look back. I mean, especially for me, like, I am constantly looking back on the year uh, in the photos through Facebook or stuff that I, of hers that I've saved on my phone. And I look back and it kind of ties it all together and kind of gives me something to shoot for, for the next year of like, how do we make a hundred of those moments that she captured? You mm-hmm. know, it's, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. A couple months ago, she recently sent me some links to the galleries because, uh, she graciously allows me to use some of her photos for trophies and things like that. And I, I'm not going to lie. I went through a bunch of them. You know, and it was like the first of January and it's miserable. And, you know, you got time before things start to happen again. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to look at what August was like because I forget. Yeah. And you feel like you were, you know, it was. Remember leaves on trees? Yeah. Look back at Lauren's photos. Oh, it's so good. Have that feeling again. Yeah. So I'm going to use the word again. Immersive. I mean, it it really takes you into you're you're there. Mm -hmm. So if you don't already follow her on Facebook, the disc golf photographer, Instagram, every outlet possible. She does a lot of uh, blogging as well. So, yeah. And she's got a lot of photos for sale. Like, and if you think they're great, you support know, her. Yeah. Please support, support your local her. artist. Like, yeah. Please. Put her stuff on the wall. You're not going to get much better. Yeah. You want to keep having nice things, support the people who are doing yeah. nice things. Yeah, your bathroom right. needs disc golf art. 100%. My wife says that every day. I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> she wants to. She, she, she's thinking it. She wants to say it, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Brian? Um, my local route is going to be, you know, all the putting leagues, uh, that have been going on over the winter. It kind of brings back the whole thing that I've been saying, like this winter's a winter's a, just a huge bummer for me, but all of these clubs and all these organizations are putting these putting leagues on and it, it brings you back in. It makes you involved. Um, it gives you, you know, the feeling that, um, you know, it's winter, but all the guys are around, all the girls are around, you know, it's still disc golf. Um, the season doesn't end. It never does, you know, and uh, especially with, you know, well, the ones could. that I've been to. Yeah. It could if it wasn't for people yeah. doing this. Oh, oh it absolutely, absolutely could. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I'm sure it helps everybody's game, if not putting, but just, you know, that feeling of, of not taking a break. Um, right. Because I know Sean and I play this morning, and I'll tell you how many putts I missed. Most of them. All of them. Yes. <laughs> because uh, we just don't yes. play over the winter. And, right. you know, I'm sure that helps tremendously. So well, there, that one. There weren't wacky inflatable guys out on you know, Highlands baskets. So well, maybe, maybe that's, that's why that's I didn't why. make them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I really missed those. Uh, I think you're, you're spot on. Like 
of course it's good to help keep your game going when you're not when you wouldn't be playing otherwise but surely the thing that people are most excited about when it comes to a putting league is like I can hang out with the boys. I can get yeah, my like, camaraderie. I can just be a yeah. part of the culture yep. and and yep. not miss that for three months or yeah. four months or whatever. Right. The high fives and the fist bumps and the like, the hugs that I get from all the guys when you know when I see yep. them. It's man, uh, if I didn't have that throughout the winter time, it it would be a huge bummer. Yeah, but yep. um, just to go through these uh, to to give you an idea of what's going on. I didn't realize that there was one almost every day of the week until we just looked them up. But I bet a lot of people um, don't realize all that. All over the Chicago All area. over. It's crazy. Like, yeah. There's so, no excuse. Um, starting, you know, in no particular order, but um, J-Town does a putting league on Tuesdays at Arrowhead Ales. Uh, they've got three weeks left. So go support them. Go do it. It's a doubles putting league, I believe. So um, they've got a point system going on. They've got a ton of people going. It looks like so much fun. I wish I could get there on Tuesdays. You know, I try every week and something comes out, but... It looks like so much fun. Of course, you've got the Joliet Prison Putting League. If you haven't heard of that, what are, what are you, you doing? doing? You're under a rock. Um, Come on. Saturday nights, uh, they've got two weeks left. There's still plenty of time to have a great time. You got beverages. You got food. You, you know, you got 108 guys uh, You know, and girls. Actually, there were more women this last week than there were pros in, in that division last uh, this past week. Correct. I saw, and that's... That's fantastic. Yeah, it was inspiring. So, you know, the mix of players is fantastic there. Um, also, you got uh, basket cases putting on Thursdays at Blue Island, and that is always a good time with the basket cases, guys. Uh, it doesn't doesn't get much better than that eclectic, crazy, they are a fun super group. fun group yeah. um, there. And uh, uh, I'm going to quick side note about basket cases. When I first got uh, – when I first moved out to this area and decided I wanted to play more disc golf and just started looking for – places I could do that uh, I wound up somebody just I posted on Facebook like where can I go and somebody was like oh there's a league here I didn't know it was called basket case I knew nothing I just knew Sergeant Means was like a long drive but I'm like I'm just gonna go I showed up and I was like and I, I'd played in college but I'd never seen a club how many people were there how excited everybody was I was like the camaraderie here is setting this new standard to me and what a club can be. Yeah. And yep. actually uh, I've talked to some people about this, but after I went to the first basket cases club, that's when I thought I really want to have my own disc golf club. Like, yeah. I don't think I, I don't know if I'm ever going to achieve what yeah. these guys have think, done, but like, yeah, it's a new standard. In my I don't mind. think there are many clubs that have what those guys have, you know, it's not about the best scores. It's about the club and it's about mm-hmm. the, again, the camaraderie, which I hate yeah. to use, but that's the perfect word for it. And they just all come together and it, that group is yeah. great. It's cases are ride or die. Yeah. And it's funny you say that, Alex, because that was the same for me. My first league experience. Uh, let me try to recall this here. I want to say, I could be wrong in the year, maybe 2013. I had played the Ice Bowl with J.D. Bly. That's a name you haven't heard locally around here in a little Way while. back. Yeah. yeah. And he said, come check out this group. It's at Sergeant Means. And me and my brother Joe decided to go out and my very first throw, Ooh, I want to say it's hole nine out at Sergeant means I hit the CTP and it was for 13 bucks. It was one of my very first Instagram posts. This is why I recall all of this, but yeah, (laughs) this is going back like seven years. I think it was 2013. So yep. That was my first experience. Huge shout out. Yep. Yeah. And in, in whatever ways it shapes what we're doing right now, you know, Yeah. yeah, that's what happens like with clubs like that. So those guys are great. I'm sure we'll talk quite a bit more about them. They'll be involved. Yeah. But also uh, Crystal Lake Brewing, uh, Putting League, uh, Jim Clem, 
uh, Donovan Livingston, those guys are awesome. They put one on on Wednesdays. I know they've got a couple weeks left, so go check them out if you're close to them. Those guys are fantastic. I can't say enough good things about Jim and, and Donovan, so um, go check them out. And then also Fox Valley um, is putting out a putting league on Fridays, um, and I think their uh, season enders on March 13th from what we read at the Kickers Club over in Fox Valley. Uh, they've got a couple weeks left, so um, please go support them and all of them. Like if Yeah. If you're sitting at home and you're a, waiting for the season to start, night, the, the season's already happening. Yeah, you're, you're doing, doing it wrong. You're doing it sanctioned, wrong. but get out and play disc golf and get yeah, involved please. because there is no excuse. Okay, so I think that wraps it up for local route then. I think it's time we get into the heart of this episode, which as we said at the, at the top, it's called The Tourney Journey. The Let's Tourney do it. Journey. What goes into a tournament? Uh, it's it's so much more than your typical player probably realizes. Anybody who's put on a tournament before, this is going to be, you know, standard common knowledge to those people. But if you've or only, maybe not, or maybe yeah. not, and hopefully we shed some light <laughs> yeah, for those yeah, people yeah. too. But for people who have never put one on, let's say you've only played, I think this will be a really informative like segment for for those people. Sean and Ryan and I talked before this all started about what does that checklist look like? And I bet a lot of people would say that the process starts in different places, but Sean, you really hit the nail on the head, I think when you said like if you're going to if if you want to put on a tournament, the very first thing you figure out is your intent. Yeah, absolutely. Why why are you doing it? Is there uh you know, for a lot of the stuff that I do, is there a fundraising effort? Is there a purpose? Is there things happening where you're trying to raise funds for mm-hmm. uh, a, a incarcerated? Great example, uh, funding an entire course going in the ground. Uh, is it just a sanctioned event where you're just doing that annual thing like uh, Illinois States? Not that that's a bad thing, but, you know, mm-hmm. the, there are many different yeah, intentions when it comes to starting a tournament. Why are you doing it? So it doesn't yeah. have to be for like a noble cause. I mean, when that when yeah. you do have a noble cause, that's great. But it can just be uh, I want to have a good time with the homies. Like it can yeah. be that. It can be that. I, I think a lot of a lot of annual tournaments have started out that way and have just grown to the point where if they weren't there every year, we would miss them dearly. And that's not a terrible way to start at all. At this point, I don't think you could find an open weekend, but you know, if if you wanted to fill a hole in a weekend with a tournament like that, that's a great reason to do it too. But um, whatever it is, I feel like there's got to be some kind of intent. You know, yeah. yeah. Again, it doesn't matter. It doesn't exactly matter what it is. It just matters that you know what it is. Like whatever it is, lay yeah. that out so that it guides all of your planning. For every other part of this checklist, needs to be able to come back to your sort of mission. Like, why are we doing this again? Okay, good. That's going to guide these, you know, when you have 50 decisions to make in the next, you know, weeks or months that it takes you in the buildup, having the intent be clear, that's going to make all the difference in the world and what happens in the end. Yeah, I mean, this is a conversation I just had with a a local golfer. Shout out to Corey Simonich here in the shop a couple days ago, uh, a guy that has played many events who I had no idea wanted to start running events. And he came into the shop and we talked for a couple of hours. And, uh, you know, we started talking about, you know, when and where and why and all, all answering all of those questions. And, you know, he thinks that there is like uh, a niche for, you know, maybe doing some events at courses that don't really have events at them, like Shorewood and mm. Round Barn and navigating how we can create better relationships with those park districts so awesome. that that can become a regular thing. So uh, in a time where you would think that, 
it's pretty concrete and who's going to run what a guy out of left field that I would have just thought as a player seems to be wanting to get very active in the, oh, yeah. uh, in the scene. So wow. that's, and that's awesome. That's filling a gap too, because we, I mean, we typically overlook courses like Shorewood and, you know, we, we had used round barn in previous years, but we just don't, don't seem to use it anymore. And it's because of relationships with the park district and things like that. But Shorewood, you know, is a great course and it could use some love and that could be, you know, right. the, the kicker, mm-hmm. you know, that's what, that's what gets it started. Let's right. do it. You know? Yeah. I mean, so. Shorewood is a, a great example. I've had not only Corey, but also another shout out to uh, head of the birdie babes, Amy Laskowski, same conversation where she wanted to do, I believe it's a women's global event at Ooh. Shorewood. I could be wrong. Sorry, Amy, but I'm pretty sure that's what she wanted to do. Uh, she reached out to the park district and they didn't know how to answer her questions. So hmm. we we kind of have to navigate these things when dealing with these cities and park districts where we can't expect them to know how to handle this because in some cases like Shorewood or maybe like Round Barn, they don't realize that when we're doing these tournaments, all the money's going back to the community. So I think mm-hmm. that they kind of have some some rental fees and charges in place that are a little skewed from what we're attempting to do. And I think the more that we kind of knock on their door and explain to them what's going on, Mm -hmm. the easier it's going to become. And they're going to go, Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Amy, let's do this. Like, why would we charge you or like kind of get involved and stuff like that? Like we, like we saw with Casey Glade last year with uh, mayhem at Marilla in October where she went to the city of Streeter and then, just kept, kind of kept bugging them until the city of Streeter was like, okay, cool, we'll line you up with some local companies and give uh, you a bunch of money. Give, and, I, yeah. I, they added like twenty five hundred dollars. Fantastic! Think. Wow. Yeah, covered yeah. a bunch of costs for the event. It was once they was, realized yeah. what was happening. Yeah, yeah. So uh, instead of giving you, you know, the standard, here's what it is if you want to rent the park, right? Which you know we could do if we wanted to have a picnic, yeah. you know, sure. under the pavilion. You know, to them it's the same situation, right. but you know, once you get that in their yeah. mindset and you know get the wheels turning. I think that's uh, yeah, that's a great idea. Don't be discouraged. Understand that when you're going to the city, they don't always know what that is. So, yeah, that's a great example. Um, you know, you figure out what your intent is, and you've used this expression a bunch of times: the ripple effect. Yeah, like you uh, you figure out why you want to do it, and watch what happens. Not right. just from like you sticking to your plan, but like everything that happens around that. It's um, right. yeah, it's amazing. So okay, you've got your you've got your intent figured out. You know why you want to have an event. The next thing on your checklist, what do you guys think? We just show up to the year event. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think calendar check. Yeah, you got to yeah. take a look at when is it possible, especially in our area. Yeah, where there's we can't play. It's hard to do tournaments year round. So when the weather's good, everybody's kind of on top of each other, trying to get like every weekend something's happening. Yeah. So yep. the calendar check is like. What's actually like when's a weekend that's kind of open? When yeah, can I do it? Right. I mean, you've got to have almost a year's worth of forethought in that, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. with the, the GJTS stuff that we do and, you know, things like Clash, like we've got to have that a year in advance almost, uh, you know, in some cases yeah. to get those weekends. So, um, you know, that's an extreme. Yeah, I mean, for eight years, you had to get dates in uh, October of the previous year of the of the current year for the following year. Yeah. And meaning then, from the, the Illinois state coordinator. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so what Alex is referring to the calendar is reaching out to your state coordinator and giving him your dates. So the way that we do it with Micropica is he just basically has like a Google calendar type mm-hmm. of thing where you, mm-hmm. you enter your dates and then you're entering in like a possible secondary date so that he could coordinate all of those things and 
get everybody their weekends, but sometimes it changes. Uh, you know, perfect example this past year. Here's a whole nother topic. We're taking over the Shanahan <laughs> Classic, but we had to swap dates for incarcerated and the Shanahan Classic because of some scheduling mm. issues. So uh, it's it's a huge part of figuring out what you're doing for a tournament. I mean, yeah. you can't start planning until you know what day you're doing it. Or you can, and you're likely to experience pitfalls <laughs> yeah. where right. either nobody shows up to your event because they're all at this other event, or you piss off the person who's trying to have an event in your like, and they've been working on it for a long time. They've gone through all the proper channels, and you just sprang up out of nowhere without checking with anybody, right. and now. Yeah. You know, and shout out, others. yeah, shout out to Mike Krupika for figuring that all out and piecing yeah. it together. Yeah. That cannot be an it's easy task. Like, unbelievable. Yeah, awesome. And that's uh, also not to say that, uh, you know, because when the calendar is created, then you know you could be the guy that's waiting for the calendar to be created so you could see what weekends are left, because there are still available dates now. I mean, that was something that I was talking with Corey about was. Mm-hmm. You know, he's wanting to pick some dates for this year. And I said, well, talk to Mike and figure out what those available dates are for your C tiers and find out what is happening so you're not running against another event. Speaking yeah. of C tiers, that's uh, another thing on the checklist is figuring out, is this event going to be sanctioned? And uh, obviously, if it is sanctioned, you have a lot more channels to, to run through. There's a lot more that goes into that. Um, but of course, it doesn't have to be. And no. uh, there's pros and cons. <laughs> I mean, like... Sometimes you can put on super righteous, unsanctioned events that are just about fun. And those can be some of the most memorable things. Yeah. I think um, we have a fantastic mix of sanctioned and unsanctioned. Obviously, there are far more sanctioned events. Um, and I think that's preferred. But when you take that break and, and you play something like Cash Days uh, yeah, run by, right. you know, Ratchet and Hopkins yes. and Eris, uh, it's so much fun because the pressure's off. Mm-hmm. You know, those things like that. And impartiality. get to play for cash. Yeah, yes. which is, yeah, something that doesn't happen often. So, um, you know, having that mix and having the, I don't want to say the weight lifted off, but, you know, not having to worry about your next ratings update and things like that can, right. you know, can change your play. Yeah. Um, and I think you need that mix in order to be a better player. So, yeah. 100%. Yeah, I've always I've always thought uh, with you know what we do with King of the Canyons, it was always going to be an unsanctioned event. Perfect example. Yep. Perfect example for me. As much as I love the PDJ and I love sanctioned events and I love the parameters that they create, for some things I don't like to have to be mm-hmm. stuck in a box with my decision making as a tournament director. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to say that fifty percent, you know, the top fifty percent of the field move on and I yeah. can't do that with a sanctioned event. So well right, and that's... some of the top AMs now get to play with the pros and compete for the same money, which doesn't really happen. Right. You know? Right. Right. So from there, once you know what your intent is, what's the calendar going to allow for, is it sanctioned, is it unsanctioned? Uh, I think the next good thing to move on to is your branding and like the promotional side that goes into it. I've seen plenty of events that I just didn't know existed until like the weekend it's happening because somebody decided to post on Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, And it's like, well, I wish I would have known about this three months ago or like somebody should have made sure that we all knew about this. Um, And it's easier said than done. I mean, that's a whole job in itself is doing the, you know, coming up with a a great name, coming up with, with artwork for it. And then, you know, being on top of promoting it. And that's right. partly why I added somewhere on this list, I'm not sure where exactly it works in, but working with like a crew where 
everybody brings something else to the table. Um, I found that, you know, if you're good at organizing, you, it's, it's rare that one person's good at everything. Like usually you get, unless your name is Ryan Fancher, <laughs> unless your name is Ryan Fancher, Ugh. <laughs> but it, like ideal world, you know, you have a guy or, you know, somebody you can go to that's going to hook you up with a cool logo, help you come up with a good name for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you have all that stuff, it's so much easier to start doing promotions. I mean, yeah. if it's, if it's not like concretely nailed down, you're going to have a hard time filling up your tournament. Yeah, I think we've been really fortunate, um, and I say we like I don't consider myself a huge part of that until recently. Who but, was they? Yeah, right. Well, Who whatever. Was they? Um, but um, organically, you know, the, the group that we uh, we uh, myself, Sean, Thor, and uh, Doc Leo Borowski have put together, like it just seems to work. Um, everybody's got their thing, and we're we've been very fortunate that the events that we've been putting on have been popular enough and advertised well enough through places like the shop and on Facebook and things like that, that we don't need to go too far, but I know that um, a lot of other tournaments need to, and they do, and they still get it done. And that's, you know, huge shout out to the the people that can, can do that and go everywhere and fill those events Mm -hmm. that would otherwise not be. That's a huge, tough task. It is. But I mean, like, when you are doing it really well, when you're operating like at the very high level, you get the thing where your events are selling out right. quickly. Right. Rather than like, hey, a post every day for the last week in the build up to a tournament. Like we still have a couple spots right. open. That's going to happen, of course. But mm-hmm. if right. you're really on top of your promotion and branding, like when things are firing on all cylinders, you get that result where like yeah. it's full way before you right. have to worry yeah. about it. I mean, I've had that conversation with a couple of people uh with some some new groups, uh, we talked about Circle One earlier. Scott Rangel, I've had conversations with him here at the shop about like how to successfully run an event, and and the first thing I say to them is like, come correct, because the bar is getting raised, and I'm not tooting our own horn, but we don't mess around yeah. when it comes to tournaments in <laughs> in uh, in J Town. So mm-hmm. uh, the bar is very high, and if you are going to run an event, and I, and I think that's kind of where it stems from. Everybody wants to have that successful event because they're either a part of it or they see it happening. And they're like, right. man, I want my piece of the pie and I love it mm-hmm. uh, because come and get it. Yeah, yeah. Come and get it. Like that's the only way. So you just have to really come correct with what you're doing. Um, uh, there is no such thing as over promotion. Like I am borderline annoying when it comes to events. Like, you know, the whole, hey, two minutes or an hour or like, you know, set your alarms like that matters because everybody yeah. has things going on. So I like to be the reminder guy. Like mm-hmm. it's not, hey, come to my event because it's going to be cool. It's it's like, don't forget because I know how yeah. forgetful all of you are. So disc golfers forget. Yeah. So hmm. a little shout outs on Facebook. There's no such thing as as as. You know, share the. That's why we have those pages. That's what I mean. My God, we could have a whole episode about the use of Facebook within the disc golf culture and how mm-hmm. big of a tool it's been for yeah. growing every single disc golf scene across the yeah. world. Mm-hmm. I'm, I want to plug in something else that's not really on this little checklist we put together, but it's back to the thing about having a crew and like knowing sort of where your strengths and your weaknesses lie. I am again. I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I know my weaknesses and strengths. Like I'm decent at promoting stuff. Like I, that's somewhere that like, I like doing it. So I, I don't, I won't even say I'm great at it. I just like doing it, but I am also not very good at 
organization and details sometimes. And so like one person that I've worked with to help make sure that any events that I've put on through Disc Golf Chicago, that those actually go well is I've teamed up with Ishmael Ochoa yep. uh, from, you know, J-Town, and he's involved everywhere. Everybody knows Ish. But Ishmael is a guy who I know handles details. Like, he doesn't let anything slip through the cracks. And he's on top of, like, all our PDGA regulations. And, like, yeah. I could not have ever put on a sanctioned event if it wasn't for teaming up with the right guy. Um, so, yeah, you know, feel it out with your crew. Who, yeah, who absolutely. Can... I mean, that guy for us is Thor Bachelor. Like, he is a... It, he's, he's a Knowledge savant. is deep. Yeah is so deep um and the same with leo browski as well i mean it's it is so important to what we do that we have those guys that are johnny on the spot you know like mm -hmm. we can always like great example our pop-up event in plainfield i didn't have to think for a second whether or not thor was going to be there to with the trailer with 18 baskets and setting up the course with a golf cart like mm -hmm. he's there because that's where resource. he excels is like that type of thing and the uh logistics yeah. of of kind of setting things up it's it's that's a huge part yeah huge part of it yeah and the crazy rule book that is in his mind yeah like, yeah you know it's that kind of thing that the obscure um that someone will will ask and i will not have the answer you know yeah. right away. i would need to look it up we'll look it not up ever gonna lie about it i'm gonna look it up in that book or on the phone yeah. but or thor's like nope this is it and this is why and here's where you find it and there's your answer you know every and, team needs that guy oh yes. man it's fantastic Definitely. yeah Okay, so moving on from there, let's talk about the registration process. How are you getting people to sign up for your tournament? Um, there's a lot of different ways to do it, but it seems like the consensus here is DG scene. Oh, no is brainer! The this golf scene all the way. Yeah, game changer. Amazing, amazing website. Amazing. Yeah. You got to talk to us about that. I've never put on an event nearly the size of you know what you have done. So yeah, talk us through that. Absolutely. So I mean, I am not a tech guy at all like when it comes to that type of uh, computers or anything um so it may as well be my 86 year old grandmother working with this golf scene that's that's my uh computer skills but anyways they make it so easy for me to be successful mm. they have thought about everything any kind of variant that you need to t-shirt size five dollar ace pot five dollar ctp they have thought about it it is available for you to do setting up a wait list setting up divisions yep. capping those divisions um it is completely customizable just huge shout out to disc golf scene it's incredible i've used it before but i'm kind of fuzzy on it can you do they, do they have like a can you use it for free or is there always a charge to use disc golf scene i want to say that there is so the way that you set it up is there's a couple different ways where you could either have the player paying those fees so i guess to answer your question yes there is always a charge and either and it's it's like a dollar it's something it's like. inexpensive it's a yeah. couple of bucks per player so you could you could set that up one of two ways depending on again the intent of your mm -hmm. your event is you know is the event going to cover those costs for the player or the recommended have the player cover the costs because mm -hmm. There is that convenience charge. You know, we do have this great website. Like, it can't be free. There yeah. has to be a charge. I would never expect something like that to be free of charge. Like, And if you're complaining about the, the little charge yeah, from Disc Golf Scene, If a couple of dollars is going to deter you from playing a tournament. If you want nice things, yeah. you, you pay for nice yeah. things. Um, okay, so let's say, uh, so obviously Disc Golf Scene is top of the list. If you're not going to use that, how else do you do it? Uh, I, I mean, I know some guys that are still, you know, uh, they just had the J-Town Ice Bowl. 
Um, and I don't want it to sound like I'm speaking badly about them, but they did in-person only signups and, and day of signups. They still had like 30 some odd people come out. Mm-hmm. Um, so the old way is still alive still and well, you know, yeah. it still works. I mean, if, if you have enough people coming out to your local league, uh, like Jason Poole did, I mean, when he was here a couple weeks ago, he still had a decent amount of people signed up on his list. I guess it just puts a little bit more work on you on the day of. Right. To do it that way, which yeah. is not, yeah. not a big deal. But It isn't a big deal. When you get big numbers, it becomes a big deal. Um, right. I actually just messaged this to, to the guys the other day about our event is almost full. Bush Park, Battle at Bush Park. Yep. And the sooner it fills, the easier it is for us. Sure. Because we now can have you know the player cards and the sign-up sheets and sizes for player pack right, items right. and all of those things now can be organized whereas you know day of signups that's you rough. really have to you have to wing a lot of your decisions you have to wing yeah, yeah. the decisions you know you're kind of scr- I mean, scrambling made for you. enough as it is even with using disc golf scene the oh, added yeah. the guy walking up that's like okay i'm here yeah now what you know that guy's going to show you're up. You're starting from scratch with mm-hmm. okay, all of the things that could be covered on a website in an about section that, as a society, we're pretty used to doing by now. That's so, the expectation I think of yeah. of the modern consumer. I'll, I'll say, yeah. but also, I love that I've found so many tournaments through disc golf scene that I didn't know otherwise. Because like, if it's only promoted through some club's page or you know, there's so just so many events that I would never have known about unless I right. just went to disc golf scene and right. was like, "What's happening next weekend?" Yeah, you can search right. every event that's that's or on. I'm there. traveling. I'm going to be in Michigan next week. Absolutely, I wonder what's yeah. happening. By I'll location. check out disc golf scene. Yeah, it's really funny. Uh, speaking of disc golf scene, I could be wrong in this, but I think that it just started as like almost like a Facebook page for disc golf. Because I had a disc golf scene profile <laughs> from back in like 2011, yeah. 2012. Wow. And then hadn't really thought about it for maybe a good five, six years until I started running my own events and I'm using disc golf scene. And then, you know, my profile was linked to what I was doing and it was, and then I'm, I had the ability to go back and look at that profile and the awful decisions I was making in my <laughs> disc golf bag and the discs I was choosing to throw. Um, oh, but, it had all that yeah. stuff like what's in your bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah so yeah, it was yeah. like, it was like a Facebook page for. Yeah. It was almost like a MySpace, golf. like, yeah. Hey, yeah. I'm going to throw this and this is in my bag my and these are the colors of my disc. The list and, of aces that you had and stuff like that. Just okay. the stuff you can nerd out on. It's, it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely come a long way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Working with that website, I literally will message them and get responses within five minutes, breaking everything down. I mean, they are. Awesome. I, Pete, I'm drawing a blank on his last name, uh, but he always gets back, and it's amazing. Yeah. Taking events to the next level. Let's go to the next point on the list, which is budget. Uh, and there's a lot of things tied into budget. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, your players pack is going to be part of that conversation. Uh, your trophies, your payouts. Uh, there's a lot, and that's there's a lot of moving parts when you start talking about budget. So one of you guys want to start walking us through. Uh, you're going to put on an event. You need to figure out money where does that start yeah i mean it, it all starts with um figuring how much you're going to charge which is a little bit of a hot button topic lately there's been some guys commenting on some of our stuff from maybe like an og disc golf scene from the 90s and early 2000s that have uh, been hang on like wait I, I was playing disc golf tournaments 15 years ago and it was 30 bucks 
why is it 50 bucks to play? Mm. And my answer to that is that because things cost money, like yeah. the only way, yeah, yeah, the only way to make events cool is by having money to work with. The yeah. only way to have money to work with is to charge people to come out to the event. Well, and yeah. I think the only time I've ever heard that is before the event. And I have absolutely never heard anyone come up to us and say, this event was not worth the X amount of dollars I paid. Yeah, sure. Right. In fact, much the opposite. Yeah. This was one of the best run events or, you know, this event in player pack items alone was worth the money, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So right. you got to take that into consideration. You got to spend money. The player, it's going to yeah. come. I mean, That's you know, it. and a rebuttal to that is always going to be, well, what about sponsorship money? What about outside money? Um, and depending on the level of tournament that you're putting on, sometimes that stuff is available. I mean, speaking from my perspective, there are companies that I work with that are, you know, their sponsorships help on specific events. So, you know, that sponsorship, and it's a lot of work to go out and find companies that are willing oh to go, yeah. yes, to a $100 check or a $500 check or $2,000 yeah. check. And you can't you know? water that down sometimes. You know, yeah. they, they do one big event. You can't go back to them and say, hey, but there's a bunch of others. How about more money? You know, right. you, right. you it's can't difficult. do that. Yeah. Yeah. And anybody then, who hasn't done that really will just cannot appreciate how difficult that job actually is. So my background is in sales and marketing, and I am selling advertising and sponsorships like nine to five, Monday through Friday. Uh, I can tell you that I've hired and let a lot of people go over the years who who come in through, to the interviews and they're like, "Of course I can do this." Like, I, I everyone tells me, I, you know, I can sell, and you you go through the the process of like knocking on all those people's doors, you know, giving them your offering, and let me tell you, it is. It's way, way harder than most people think. And sometimes, no matter how good your event is or how awesome the thing you have is, it all comes down to how you convey it. And like, you can can have something awesome that gets rejected by tons of people because you don't actually have the knack to like put it forth in the right way or like, you know, the, the business savvy. I mean... There is so much that goes into just talking to somebody who might yeah. want to sponsor. Yeah, I mean, like, what's the ROI for a company mm-hmm. uh, that gives you two thousand dollars? How you know? How does that make sense for them? You know, we work with a uh, huge shout out to Pollyanna Brewing Company now with three locations in Lamont, St. Charles, and Drone... Roselle. Yes, yes, my Roselle. wife works for the company. Sorry that took so long, guys, but we love you. Uh, you know what? What we've done with them is we've had player parties at Pollyanna where we bring the people to the companies, and that in itself is not easy to coordinate. Yeah, and just being yeah. totally frank, sometimes works really well, and sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't because yeah. the draw is sometimes just not there. Yeah, you can't force people to come out to a player party when you're yeah. also asking them to tee off at seven a.m. the next morning. When right. what we're asking you to do is come out and support a company where you know you're having a couple of beers or whatever, or you know you're just kind of at home getting into tournament mode and you want to get to bed early or whatever. So yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's sometimes very easy. It's sometimes very difficult. Yeah, every advertising or marketing venture is a gamble in some way and the idea is to take smart gambles you know and and to get a company on board with taking a smart gamble on your event uh, that requires a presentation it requires uh, a good relationship with that company Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot that goes into making it actually happen and then delivering on it and having them feel like well, that was that was a good investment. Like, yeah, the pressure of putting on a good event for the sponsors and not just right. the players. Yeah, that's a huge part of that. Finding sponsors—that's a part of your budget, but like 
mm-hmm. as we were saying, the you know figuring out how much we charge people to get enough money to work with to make this event achieve the things that we want to achieve. You have to build in your players packs. Like where does where do you even start with with what's going to go in our players pack? That's yeah. always a subject of huge debate, and I think we do a good job, but. You know, we try and come up with something different every tournament, and we run so many that, man, it's yeah. tough. The, the you know, well gets dry. Yeah, it's tough to reinvent the wheel with those. And, you know, you can only give away so many dry fit shirts before yeah. I'm... Everybody's got a drawer full of dry fit shirts yeah. that exactly. maybe they don't even wear, and it's like, okay, well, is that something that we continue to do? Yeah. When, right. You know, so... So it, we try and mix it up as, as best as, as we can. This year, I think we're going to try and mix it up even more... Um, to give players more of a variety of items and it gives you more of an incentive to play every event to get you got you know you got to collect them all um, right. instead of just getting the same thing for for every tournament but um, yeah. you know it's difficult every single time yeah. and I think our community in general has responded so well everybody loves our you know what we do um, and we've been you know really uh, fortunate to have that but yeah it's still really tough um, it is. And, and when you're Figuring out the budget side of that, like, I think a lot of people will gravitate to the, well, we can get dry fits made for this price. And like, you you, right. you tend to look at the things that are not very costly because that, that means you can put on an event that doesn't cost the players as much and that feels like a win. But I think a lot of the time you end up giving people stuff that they're just like, eh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, there's got to be right. a, definitely got to be a quality aspect to that, um, which I think we've again, done pretty well with, but yeah, it's a fine line. You can't have something that is going to cost the tournament so much money that, you know, we run out of sponsor money and we run out, you know, like your whole event price goes into a player pack, which, you know. Yeah. And I mean, too, this kind of overlaps with a little bit of the branding that we talked about earlier, as much as I don't want to talk about the things that specifically I or we do, uh, the Greater Joliet Tour Series we were able to feel really good about giving out like six or seven flat top DX rocks last year that like, you know, on the scale of what's cool for discs, like DX plastic mm-hmm. is like the cheapest, mm-hmm. but we kind of branded the whole thing as like, it's a whole set and it's cool to have like, in yeah. my mind, that was my intent of like, Let's have a whole set of like I have every one of them on a shelf at oh, yeah. my house mm-hmm. right now, and I look at them on a regular basis, and I think it's the coolest thing. So like I hope that everybody kind of thinks like I do, and that you know maybe it was a ten dollar, eleven dollar retail value, but it's really special to me mm-hmm. that I have a disc. Like in general, you should at least have a disc for your event. Like I have gone oh, to events yeah. and I didn't get a disc. And a gr- I mean, I'm a grown man. Like, why didn't I get a disc? Where's my toy? Where, yeah, like I, I need to have that memento thing for yeah. me. And I, I wish that I, I hope that more people see that. I'd like to see more people like get that disc at check in or at your player party. Have your card sign it, dude. Have yeah. your card sign it and yeah. hang it up at the house. Like, this is irreplaceable. Yeah. memories that we're having together as a community as a culture the camaraderie that like that to me is what matters like having the disc to sign you know having the thing that ties it all together yeah well because there are well i'm looking right now at how many different types of molds of discs at, at the shop here at delwood um we're not going to pick the disc that works for for everyone not, not we're not even going to pick the disc that works for 10 percent of the field like but 
you know, we know that a lot of people aren't going to throw that disc or, you know, even support that particular brand or whatever. But if we put a cool stamp on it, if we make the event memorable, if we make the stamp memorable, if we do all of those things right, people are going to want that stuff. And that's what we try and do with player pack items, you know, create more of a value for all of that stuff. Yeah, you want to walk away feeling like, well, that was worth my money. Either it's right. like a very high quality thing that's like, I'm just, that is high enough quality to where I would have spent my money on that. Or right. it's unique enough to where like, I couldn't have gotten this anywhere else. Absolutely. There's nowhere else I yeah. could have gotten this thing. Right. Uh, and now, you know, there's the memento value. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> there's also like, you know, on the other end, you're probably going there, but not just player pack items, but trophies. Well, trophies, yeah, we can talk about trophies, but oh, go ahead. I, I was also going to say, like, the, the a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, like signs and sign holders. We're going through that right now with Thor figuring out what kind of sign holders to put signs in for sponsors and things like that, and we don't want to make it look like, yeah, like, Cheap, a, yeah. like a Xerox copy. Yeah, paper and packing tape. And that's another, you know, that's another added value type of item that nobody would ever think of. But that stuff adds up. It's expensive. Printing the signs, the sign holders, you need a lot of them. They're not cheap. You know, things like that. And we can reuse a lot of that stuff. But, man, you know, that is tied into the cost of every tournament. And Mm -hmm. so when you try and figure out that that bottom dollar value, I'm sure you're missing a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it's got to be paid for. Yeah. And I, I think also uh, now more than ever, I mean, we're in an era where my package to sponsors is going to be stuff like this. Shout outs in a podcast. Yeah. Social media posts. Yeah. You know, like no longer do we have to say, well, you're going to have a T sign on this hole. Yeah. Because let's be honest. Do the players really look at those T signs? Depends. I mean, if you're plugged into the scene, you'll like for me, I well, I imagine most Typical players, probably not. But if you are, like I use the expression, a mover or a shaker, you know, if you help put events together, you appreciate what it takes to get a sponsor. And when you walk up to a hole and you're like, oh, snap, that company sponsored this? That's awesome. I wonder how I can support that business. Thank you to them for supporting us. But me and people like that are rare compared to everybody that plays the sport. Because they're in the zone, too. I mean, can you blame them? Like, they're teeing teeing off. They've got tournament nerves, and, like, I think the last thing that sometimes players are looking at are the company in small print on a sign. And what we also want to avoid, you know, and this will tie into some other um, topics later, but we want to avoid the expectation of players adding, you know, sponsorships for T-signs. Like, um, we want to create events where... We have the sponsorship, we have the funds, we have everything so that we don't have to say, hey, for 50 bucks, you can sponsor a hole. Well, I just paid 50 bucks to enter. Right. Why am I sponsoring? Like, you right. know, Joe so-and-so on hole six sponsored that. Right. Like, Nobody's- shout out to everybody who's down to do that. Like, it's appreciated. Yes. Absolutely. But yes. when we can avoid that, that's what we want. And that yes. yeah, that comes into, you know, the the amount of money that it takes for every player to play an event, you know? Yeah. So there's a lot that's baked into that whole thing we yeah, just I mean, covered we but like talk for three more hours exactly. about this one topic yeah. there's there's a lot to but it but in general just don't underestimate the process of figuring out your budget because there's a lot to figure out there and just know if you want to put on a cool event that is remembered and that people look forward to next time around it's probably not going to be a cheap event like yeah if your top priority is putting on a free yeah. event you're gonna have a very hard time making yeah. it kick ass right yeah. or it, it's gonna be like trophy only like you could mm-hmm. do 25 dollar buy-in but sure. 
you're not going to have the funds. You know, you could put all that money towards an awesome player pack and then trophy only, which there are clubs and people Definitely. and promoters that do that. So, Definitely. you know, it's not to say that it can't be done. But, again, first step, what's your intent? What are you doing? So, mm-hmm. you know, these mm-hmm. are the things that you have to check off the list of. Oh, and uh, spoiler alert, tournaments don't make money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tournaments I think that's the money. number. Like, if you if you went to a tournament and you spent a bunch of money, like it was, I don't know, a $100 tournament. And you walked away thinking, like, where did that money go? Like, did we get something awesome in the players pack? Or, like, were the payouts sick? Or mm-hmm. if you look around and you're just like, where did that money go? That's yeah. when you've done something wrong. Yeah. And I don't think that happens a lot. I think, like, no. if if somebody's charging a lot to get into a tournament, it's because they did something awesome. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, sometimes I guess making money on these Yeah, things, sometimes right? the question is asked and it's just dismissed just as quickly because – the idea that tournament directors and tournament coordinators are in it to make money is ludicrous. Um, <laughs> some if do. you were, God, yeah. some you can, doing? you know, I mean, you, the PDG totally has can. it set up to where it's almost impossible Yeah, to, you know, like the money has got to be. Well, an HB Clark yeah. down at Bowling Green. Um, yeah. Is that his name? Yeah. 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 Which is another event that is unbelievable. He has what? 700 players down there. Just, yeah, just ams. Yeah. And I would be shocked if he was making, much of anything yeah. like it's just so hard and if he is great and Good. you know what yes. he deserves yes. it yes. that's the other thing i wanted to yeah. say is but like if you want people to bust their ass and make and put on great events it's okay to, for that person yeah. to like be compensated yeah Absolutely. no i i would say that if there's any kind of evolution with all of this i would say the pdga needs to regulate it but like there should be an itemized part of the budget on the PDGA site that says that's interesting. Any one tournament director can make up to X. Yeah, that's uh, a hard. I'm sure we could time we could for, spend a whole for, yeah, show I mean, on that. Yeah. yeah, but I think that that would if people's you know the amount of time that you put into it. I mean, not everybody feels the same way, but if there was the added bonus of like, hey, I I, I killed it. This event was great, and I was allowed to make. Uh, uh, $200 from it for my time and the event was still amazing which is I worked on it for six months and I made 200 which is about yeah yeah, 50 cents an hour yeah Yeah. but whatever I I think that that is something that I don't know it may help it may not but I I think that maybe that's something I hope we get there because right now everything is completely driven by the passion of individuals right but I would love if we got to a place where the sport was healthy enough financially to where people would you know, make money from doing great but things. You know what? Like I am 100% happy after paying everything that needs to be paid for the tournament to actually function, give everything else back to the players, you know, yeah, in the absolutely. form of player packs and payouts and things like that, which is what we've been doing. Um, and I think our payouts are far and away. Probably ridiculous. some of the best in the area. Um, Pretty great payouts. But I don't have a problem with that at all. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't need to make a dime, nope. but I, yeah, again, I hope we get there someday, you know? So we have not, I mean, we've been talking about budget for a while. We still haven't really talked about trophies or payouts, but those are two more really important parts. Um, I Let's try and get through that quickly. I think mm-hmm. trophies are underestimated so mm-hmm. often, and I'm definitely. definitely guilty of that. I've been to a lot of events where the trophy that I get, well... I've only gotten like two trophies ever, but yeah, I've seen yeah. the trophies. How good are you really, Alex? How many trophies do you have? Let's see your trophy I'm enthusiastic. <laughs> Picks. Listen, I have maybe three trophies, and I made one of them by hand, and oh, I'm God. so embarrassed by it. Um, oh, that needs to go up on, on Facebook for sure. In the maybe, comments of maybe. this post. Please, maybe. comment it up. 
Uh, it looks like an eighth grade, like maybe a sixth grade art project. It's bad. And I worked really hard on it. So um, anyways, yeah, if you want something that people are actually going to be like, dude, I want that trophy just because it's awesome. It doesn't just happen. It, you, yeah. You've got to talk to somebody who knows what they're doing. Somebody who has the right materials, uh, expertise. You need to give them time. You have to figure out what's it going to cost. Yeah. You know, like if you're if you're not budgeting for trophies, you're going to end up with something yeah. that no one's excited about. Right. And I mean, that that ripples into so many, you know, uh, Johnny won MA3 and he does a social media post as almost all players do. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and all of his non disc golf friends and family see his post yeah. and his trophy is a three inch diameter piece of wood with a marker. That's cute. You know, Good like, for Johnny. so I mean, <laughs> as we are expecting the outside world to take us serious, we have to take ourselves and especially our trophies, if anything serious, because it's being posted and talked about on social media. Totally. So, I mean, all the way down to like a seven-week league, I, I did trophies that cost a little bit of money, you know, because it's important. You have to you have to budget for trophies. And when you do that right, you get, like, the, the difference you get from spending on that and not spending on it or knowing somebody who can just, like, you have a good relationship with and they'll, and they'll do, you know, they'll take care of you. Yeah. But, like, I've definitely been to events where I'm just like, hey, I'm here to have a good time and if I play well, that's cool. But then I see the trophy and I'm like, no, I'm going to play my ass off. Like, yeah. I, I I want that thing right. on my mantle bad. I mean, one of the things that I do tournament morning is like once Ryan shows up with the trophies, lay those puppies out, mm-hmm. get them excited, get mm-hmm. them wanting those trophies. I mean, it, you know, I mean, we can dive in a whole thing about tournament central, but having that stuff out and available for them to see that we put in the work to make these for you. Mm-hmm. not make them because we had to as per a PDGA. What, right. You know what I mean? We went above and beyond for you. Right. And that's right when they walk up to Tournament Central. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, build that into your budget. If you don't, you're going to end up with uh, something that just nobody's excited about. And uh, shout out to Ryan Fancher for making the dopest <clears> trophies. <throat> <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, now there's only two, actually one last thing really because uh, squad is the last thing on the list, and we've kind of already covered yeah. squad. So uh, the last thing is figuring out the schedule of the event. Um, you can do that a couple different ways. I know you have a lot of experience there, Sean, by um, you know working with events that have tea times, mm-hmm. um, figuring out – I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. I can't even be the one to start that conversation. Yeah, I mean, so you're going to have two schools of thought, at least you know with my experience. You're going to have a shotgun start, which is going to have you locked in to a certain amount of people that can play the event. Sure. You've got 18 holes. Shotgun start means everybody, everybody starts, starts at the same time. First round, everybody starts same time, second round, or however many rounds you have. So if you have 18 holes and you want to avoid fivesomes or having a tournament take 14 hours... You want to have foursomes, well, that's you're down to 72 people total that can play the event mm-hmm. for that tea time. So the other way to do it is by using tea times every 8 or 10 minutes like we have done in the past and now are doing for all of our local C-tiers, which allows 30 more people to play. Yeah, 112. 112? Yeah, is what we're doing now, yeah. Every 8 minutes. So mm-hmm. we just we switch up what divisions start at what time. We have tea times that start at 8 a.m. It's not always the same division every time with the early tea time 
And I don't want to say it's because it makes our lives easier as tournament directors and assistants, but it does. Right. Um, it allows more players. It allows us to... Um, in an ever-growing scene. I mean, it's not because, yeah. you know, for any other reason other than we have so many people that want to play. I think there's a lot of other benefits, too. I mean, getting more people involved is great, but, like, from the player side, when you walk up to the tee pad and it's your tee time and, I don't know, there's, like, a little more attention on you. It makes and it more right. special. No, for it's sure. more totally. special, for yeah. sure. Well, and it, just the timing issues altogether, like, you know, if MA1 plays a little bit later, you know, MA1 doesn't have to get up it. 5.30 in the morning, mm-hmm. um, which is great. Mm-hmm. And if you are one of those people, you know, that loves to get up early and you're playing, you know, one of the women's divisions or, you know, MA40 or whatever, you know, that, that tees off at 8.10, you know, you can play two rounds and be done by one thirty or 2 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And what? Yeah. That's right. unheard of. And that's fantastic. You've got half of the day, right. um, which is neither here nor there for a lot of people, but that makes a huge difference. And yeah. as tournament directors and, you know, tournament assistants and whoever's helping out, um, having those cards come in four at a time instead of 90 at a time, right. everything else falls into right. place a lot yeah. easier. And uh, I think everyone sees that and sees how much more smoothly it plays out. And uh, I think that just adds to the whole value of right. what's going on. Yeah, I mean, and you can have a five-minute player meeting with four people instead of 200. Where, where you're gonna where have 10% of the people are listening. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. At most. Yeah. So <laughs> I get to look four people in the eye and go, this is the OB this? on hole 15. Yeah. Look at me. You hear me. This is what it is. Right. And it's locked in. I know that they're yeah. not going to have any issues, which is, a, again, a huge part of running a yeah. great event. Yeah. Yes, sir. And we kind of happened upon that almost by accident with our pop-up tournament last year at uh, the Workforce Brewing in Plainfield, there was really not going to be another way to do it because it, with a pop-up event, no one had seen the layout. And the way the layout was, some of the holes were so far away that a shotgun start would have been yeah. prohibitive. Spent, yeah, we would have spent 20 yeah. minutes explaining how to get to hole 12. Absolutely. and so <laughs> To a group of people. Yeah, and so having one card follow the route and then every other subsequent card follow them to you know a pretty easy path all the way back Uh, around was a no-brainer and then we realized that wait a minute now that we're doing tea times so many more people can play Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah it just it became you know the obvious answer to the problem let me ask an obvious question then why is it that so many in my experience most Mm -hmm. of the tournaments i've done are shotgun starts Mm -hmm. why is that sort of the go-to I think that's just the. Like, I I think that's just been the format. I don't want to say that it's yeah. right or wrong. It's just what what people have done. What we've what we've expected. Yeah, yeah. And so, maybe the tournaments don't necessarily fill, or they're you yeah. know the wait lists aren't big enough that it becomes an issue with right. It's all player to scale too with, yeah. with the growth of disc golf in general. Yeah. Ten, when you only have sixty players for the players, last thirty you know. years, you know, other than some big events like GBO and Ledgestone and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Events aren't selling out in ten minutes, right? You know, it's been the walk. Well, how could you? It's have been all of without this stuff. disc golf scene and without and social Facebook, media, that yeah, just yeah, couldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So I think that that's why. But as we're getting into the era of of local C tiers selling out in twenty minutes, we have to evolve. We have to figure out a way to have more people. So you can only do that one of two ways: play more holes or do tee times. And more holes, especially earlier on in the season. Like, what, two years ago, we played our first Tour Series event here at Delwood, and um, it was far dark. 
before yeah. even yeah, that mean, story. We were wrapped up and going home at nine o'clock. Yeah, it was rough. It was, it was I rough. mean, for you know, for that the, everyone really that got hard there at for, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I don't have a family yet. I mean, God willing, hopefully eventually. But I mean, even just with the wife at home, that's like. It'd be great if you got home like yeah, at a reasonable time. You said you were going to be so, home at six thirty. Exactly, it's yeah. nine o'clock. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, uh, that makes a huge yeah. difference. And yeah. for people who do have families, it's it's even bigger. Like to know you could be done by right. two. And oh, that's the difference yeah. between signing up or not. For exactly for, yeah. for right. a lot of people, one hundred percent. And the other the, the great thing uh, on the TD end of things for tea times is that it is so much easier for me to do a little bit of work more often throughout the day than rush and do a bunch of stuff, wait for two and a half hours, hurry up and wait. Yep. And then get second round teed off and then the bum rush at the end. So Mm -hmm. as we do it to where, as the divisions are finishing, we're doing award ceremonies and payouts yeah. for those divisions. Right. So by the end of the day, the last card that comes in is the last card for that division, which is typically MPO. Mm-hmm. And they're done. We do trophies, we do payouts, and we're done instead of adding you know, 18 or however many different scorecards and figuring out all that stuff. Are you so saying you don't love when there's like 100 disc golfers staring at you? Hovering around the scoreport? No, it's my favorite thing in the well, world. Well, you know, the longer you stare at that scoreport... It will change. Oh, it, it definitely gets, your changes. Score your score gets better. Change. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the more questions you ask, the more strokes come off your final score. Right. Yes. Beautiful thing. Will the sarcasm come through? That is an entire episode in itself. An entire episode. Take Scoreboards. a photo. Scoreboards. Take Get a away photo. from it. <laughs> Walk away. <laughs> I swear to I'm going to buy a tent, and we're just going to have the scoreport inside of you, the tent. You think you he's joking, but we are planning that. I am that. not even joking. We should start thinking about somebody that can act as a like security outside the tent. Absolutely. Uh, a giant, scary person that doesn't yeah. mind. Gary Murphy? Are you listening, Ooh. Gary Murphy? You he watches enough UFC. Maybe yeah. he's picked up a few moves. He's tall. Yeah, he's tall. He could do it. He would do it. He looks scary. What happened to that guy? Oh, he was trying to see scores early. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It would only it would only take one as an example. Yeah. Yeah. You broke his nose. He just wanted to know. <laughs> he wanted to look at his score for the seventh time. But see, I I think that something like that could add an, a little bit of it. Like, you know, I, I one of the my favorite things with King of the Canyons um, is everybody kind of the the coming in and seeing where the bubble is. You know, who's going to move on? So yeah. like kind of not knowing where everything falls until that scoreport is brought out. Yes. I think is how it should be. You you know, yeah. like, because yeah. then it's like, ooh, now we all know at the same time instead of the first cards in and they know more than the guys that are the last card, which, you know, yeah. who falls on those cards is totally random. Right. So it kind of levels the playing field a little bit. Uh, okay. I think we've covered the basics on the whole checklist. Uh, I'm sure we've missed some things, but yeah. I think we got the main things, and we probably got a little more in-depth than we thought we were going to, but that's cool. So that's that's basically a wrap on episode one. I mean, um, guys, thanks so much for listening. We're going to be planning to get another episode out within three weeks-ish. Three weeks, that's, yeah. that's what we're aiming for. Yeah. So, you know, uh, we'll be posting about it in There's the meantime. There's going to be plenty to talk about. Uh, please like, subscribe, share, like Ryan please, says, please. all those social media things you're supposed to do. Do those things. Follow along, please. Uh, next week's subject is going to be, or not next week, but next episode subject is going to be a bit of a surprise, but as a little teaser, there will be a special guest involved, so uh, keep an eye out for that. Ooh, I have something that we can give a little teaser on. Teaser. 
So the very first time that we got together, uh, about six days ago to discuss doing this podcast, we came up with a really cool idea that involves your local disc golf clubs. We're not going to give away too much information. Still logistics to work out. Still still, logistics. still some things to work out, but I, I would say it's going to happen. Get yeah. your, it's going to happen. It, it's happening. Get your clubs wrapped. Yeah. You know, yeah. start start getting involved in your local clubs. Definitely more, more, more details to come. More details to come. Get involved in your local disc golf scene, please. It was, will matter. Was that enough to get you mad, but not give you any information? Probably. Probably. Good. Yeah. Good. Uh, exactly. And what uh, we want. another point is if you have something you want us to talk about, if you have a guest you would love to hear on the show, drop us a message. In the next episode, we're hoping to introduce a segment called Mailbag where we address specific questions that you guys have DM'd to us. So either you can post it as a comment or send it straight to us. Any one of our pages, Unstable, Disc Golf Chicago, Delwood, any of those pages, you have a question or guest you want to hear, uh, get that to us. We would love to bring your thoughts and questions onto the show next episode. Do it. Do it. All right, we'll catch you guys next time. We're out. Later. Peace.